Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction uh, 678. Science Faction, dog-fox hybrids, and oldest site in the Americas Day. Dog fox hybrids. Is this? Um, uh, I remember that we talked a long time ago about the diff- uh, about how uh, foxes were the uh, one of the few canines or the only canine that ate their own poop. I'd like to see like a, a futuristic world. You know, like it, remember in like Terminator, Terminator One, when like um, they had to, they were they were people they were they were Terminators that would try to infiltrate the human resistance. They had to have dogs like sniff them out. I think in the future in our war That's with true. foxes, how we tell. Uh, whether uh, how we like we we suss out whether a canine is on the fox side of the war or the dog mm-hmm. side of the war like us is um, there's in, during the interview process there's several delicious platters of poop and that's fine we expect the dog to eat it too but like it's like a ranger program oh, yeah. where like okay. all you're eating is poop and the dogs who get really ill we know anybody anybody who makes it to the end of this program we know you're a fox we got to put you down you're a terminator we got to put you down. So this is like the the old like Salem witch tests where they like tie a bunch of bricks to you and throw you in a river and if you drowned it turned out you were a good Christian but if you get out and fly away then you were a witch and now you're really gonna get it. I didn't it. start this war. Foxnet did, and because Foxnet started this war, we have cities in ashes. We have a whole battle going on in the '90s. That's 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 a that's a proxy war for this war. Few people realize that the uh, divisive nature of our modern politics was started, uh, you know, by some of the divisions from Fox News Corp, which was actually started by foxes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah uh, early. You might not know, but like early in Matt Groening's career, he was approached by a very wealthy fox and was like, "Hey, I need some help getting this network yeah. off the ground. I think your show is pretty funny. I think this could be the thing that kind of springboards us into being a real network with ABC and NBC." Notice how I left off CBS, because I'm not 80. And if you want to leave off CBS, go ahead and <laughs> check out our Patreon. You can search Robert Timothy on Patreon uh, for four extra science episodes every single week. But for now, I, of course, am your host, comedian archaeologist Robert Timothy. With me, as always, is my comedian, Mr. Damian Mercado. Damian, fresh off surgery. How you doing over there, buddy? Uh, as a multi-testicled god. Uh-huh. You know, like, when you hear stories about, like, a guy, oh, he won the lottery, but he still, like, shows up at his job, you know, once a week. Just, it's just once a week. He's really gone down to part-time. You know, he, he just doesn't sure. want he doesn't want his friends to think that he's too big for his britches anymore. And that's kind of how I am with this. Like, I'm just going to show up to the podcast just one day a week, just one day, maybe yeah. Mondays or something, something, you know, just a real easy day. Uh, and I'm going to kind of hopefully give you the impression that I don't think I'm better than you during this. I always would think it would be funny. Like, they don't they never finish that sentence. They're like, yeah, he won the lottery, but he shows up to he still shows up to work. And then they forget to add. Just to take a deuce in the employee bathroom and then leave. Like, he just, he's really rubbing in how rich he is and how much he doesn't have to hang out at work anymore. Listen, if that's a character test, if he just goes to take a dump in the employee bathroom and he hasn't cleaned it or anything, that's, you you go and you take a shit in the manager's bathroom or on the manager's desk because Mm. fuck that dude. Nine times out of ten, that dude was there because he kept costs down, not because he was the best uh, boss. Every day he just shows up, craps in the normal bathroom and leaves. And then that way he doesn't have to face the embarrassment at home. 
since he doesn't work there anymore, really. I mean, he's, he's a lottery millionaire now, right? So he's not really still working at the Amazon warehouse. But this way, he doesn't have to stink up his own bathroom. The fact that, like, this in this scenario, this guy works at the Amazon bathroom, just hit the lottery, but then has no, is just taking these non-anti-managerial craps. Just these, like, craps yeah. because I don't want to offend my working class maid now. <laughs> like... A real, real Robin Hood of shits. Tell me you've never had to suck dick for rent without telling me you've ever had to suck dick for rent, Bobby. Uh, dear, let's move right on to science articles. From molecules to particles, this is science articles. All right, article number one, what a dog-fox hybrid reminds us about one of our favorite topics. And I know a lot of people are going to say, like, hey, you know, um, uh, having foxes uh, do our, some of our normal tasks, uh, having automating some of our tasks so that, so that foxes can do it will eventually, you know, if, if, if that surely won't lead to a mass fox uprising. And to them, I say, sir, the, the, the movies, the 90s movies have been quite clear. The, the, the prophecy has been laid out. If you choose to ignore the prophecy, then then you then you invite our fox overlords, our Rupert Murdochs, to to march right into your rooms with their robo four legged poop eating robots. I mean, sometimes the I mean, if you ever saw Fox E, which was the Pixar movie, you will learn that in some versions of the utop- dystopian future, the foxes are what's cleaning up all the garbage us humans left behind. Okay, yeah, maybe all right. Maybe the the, the, the foxes, the robo foxes, were just acting in self defense. Um, these humans are just flushing their feces down the toilet. They're not even consuming it. So this is an interesting article. Uh, you've probably seen it on a bunch of popular science websites. It was, it's about two weeks old, uh, but it's about a dog-fox hybrid, quote-unquote, from South America that was discovered in Brazil. The story starts in 2021 when this animal was hit by a car and taken to a, an animal hospital. And the people there, who are obviously kind of familiar with dogs and foxes and stuff, they noticed some quirks. It, it barked like a dog, which foxes don't do, by the way, but it had more fox-like ears it wouldn't eat dog food it would only eat live rats which also that's a quality you have too so i don't want people to think that just because a creature is only eating live rats and refuses to eat delicious dry dog food that they're automatically a fox because that would make you a fox as well no no just be, be, be playing saying damien will only eats live rats because you've locked me in a saw-like I call BS game where I where I can either eat poison dog food or live rats to survive another day in your fear factory. Uh, that that's not me choosing. It's like of all the foods I can eat, rat or dog food, it's the false dichotomy, the false choice you've presented me. Every time we pass a Chuck E. Cheese, you lick your lips, but you're not thinking about the pizza. You're just thinking about eating that giant animatronic rat. <laughs> I was thinking about playing some really shitty video games. And I get really hungry. <laughs> uh, so the animals kind of notice as being a little bit weird. And they're like, I think we might have a hybrid here. So they did some genetic screenings. And they found, indeed, this was a 50-50 hybrid. The mother being a pompous fox uh, native well, down I mean, there in South America. <laughs> she, in her, in her f- silver fox ivory towers, looking down yes. on us regular foxes. <laughs> She constantly reminds us that she went to Fox Harvard. (laughs) Uh, You you never miss a chance, you crimson boys. (laughs) 
uh, between a female pompous fox and a male domestic dog. So very interesting story. And when I first read it, I was like, there is no fucking way. Because if you understand canid evolution, you understand that foxes are so far separated. Like the genus that contains foxes are so far separated from anything in the dog, like wolf lineage, that it doesn't make any sense. Like we have other type of dog hybrids. Dogs can hybridize with coyotes as, as can wolves. And obviously dogs and wolves are still considered the same species. And then you have like things like dingoes and then things like wild dogs and even jackals that can hybridize on. They can all have babies because they have the same amount of chromosomes, but real foxes don't. And so when I saw that, I was like, no, no way. And I read even further and they were like, actually, they sterilize this animal when it first came in because that's what they do to stray animals. But they actually think that it was fertile before they sterilized it. And so it, it could have had kids and stuff. And I'm like, no, no, that doesn't even make the chromosomes don't match up. Like, this is crazy. What are you talking about? And then I read a little bit more, and it turns out the pompous fox is not actually a true fox. The pompous fox, <gasps> in its founding, like it was like a like it was. You can't trace all of its ancestry back to the Mayflower. There's like it comes, it traces it back to like an Irish cook or something. Is that? Well, so the it doesn't come from an actual fox lineage. It's basically the the result of convergent evolution, which is it looks like a fox. And if you go and look at pictures of these creatures, they absolutely look like foxes, but they're not actually closely related to foxes. They're part of a group called false foxes in a genus called like Calipex, which we didn't know could mate with, you know, regular dogs and wolves and stuff. But it makes sense because this this genus is actually actually much more closely related to things like jackals and wild dogs, which we do know chromosomally match up and can interbreed with regular domestic dogs and wolves and stuff. So it, when I first read this, I was like, no fucking way. That's really, really far off. This is like the mouse and rat breeding together. Like it doesn't quite make Neanderthal sense. Neanderthal and human, Bobby? No, that was, no, that was much closer, but very close. Uh, so How it, many chromosomes like, does Neanderthal no have? Round that, square that same. argument. 23, 23, <laughs> same. Oh, okay. You came to that really quick. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> 23 pairs, 46 overall. But but with that, I mean, uh, uh, one of the things that keeps shocking me throughout this entire, you know, we will like, uh, we'll, we'll talk about how like somebody's just tangentially related. You have so little DNA from some matchup, whatever. But I was like, we, we, we have enough Neanderthal in our DNA from just two pairings in all of the species history. Sure. Um, but it was select that 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 genet those genetics a lot of them were selectively kept meaning there was a darwinistic advantage to certain genes we inherited from certain groups that then got spread disproportionately through just like i mean if you want to go one step back blue eyes we know originated in a single individual 6000 years ago and they're now spread throughout the world to such an extent that remember you need to be uh, homozygous to actually display the trait the phenotype so a lot of there's more people who have blue eyed genes that don't have blue eyes and there are people who have blue eyed genes that have blue eyes and yet still you look around the entire world you'll find people with blue eyes and that all happened incredibly recently and it was selected for because that that's like that's so, just an aftermarket part like oh sweet i want those blue eyes on my truck yeah you know like so I'm, sure. i mean and unfortunately you kind of gotta ha either have to have the first uh it'd be so beautiful that the first child is i don't know what uh related pretty related to in order to get this this gene going yes all right, sure. yeah. It's just, I mean, yeah. I, listen, I was, I was going to do not fuck my sister. Look at those eyes. 
<laughs> those crystal blue eyes. Everybody else's eyes here are shit. This is for the future of blue eyes. You know, I'm just saying. Uh, I don't know. Uh, was was the was that was 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 a heavy brow ridge really sexy for a while in human evolution that people were just like, damn, look at those Neanderthal features. Look at that unibrow. Fuck these panties are. Uh, they're they're coming off tonight. These woolly panties. Uh, but so back to the non-banging Neanderthal portion of it. The the interesting thing <laughs> I'm was out. I'm, I'm gonna go take I'm gonna go take a dump. You tell me when we get back. This creature, by the way, nicknamed Dog Ixum, uh, was was shown to again be the hybrid of of these two. Not a true fox, which really explains things. And by the way, when you read all the headlines, it all says like fox dog hybrid. Which again, anybody who has kind of a background tangential knowledge of you know, canine evolution would be like, wait, what? Excuse me? Uh, and should be. And then they read it and realize that it's not a, a true fox and it makes a little bit more sense. Is it comparable to the horse-mule hybrids uh, that that can occasionally reproduce? Sort of. So we're about to talk about that. So, so that is different because those would be two animals with different numbers of chromosomes, horses and donkeys, which then produce a mule, which are usually infertile, usually because of those chromosomal abnormalities. Now, this brings up one of our favorite topics on science faction. It's one of the ones that I've got next to Damien not trying hard and I call BS. It's one of the ones I get the most emails about, which is a conversation we've had a ton of times I still remember to this day it pissing off one of our ex-co-hosts, physicist Seb, because he didn't like the, the non-solid nature of this of uh, of what we were dealing with. But for the longest time, people assume, and they're taught this in like bio, high school biology. I've gotten into a debate with a now famously dumb comedian about this because this is he swore up and down that this was how species work. The idea that a species is a group of animals that can interbreed with each other and create viable offspring. And this is like the bio 101 definition that we teach people when we're being like, mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, and this is what a species is. But it not only is it not right, but, and I'm embarrassed at how long it took me to put piece this together, it can't be right. And it can't be right upon very slight reflection. Like, it takes very little reviewing to be like, Oh, yeah, that can't be right. <laughs> right. So let's go over this. That idea, that that definition of a group of animals being able to interbreed and create viable offspring, it automatically does a few things. Now, now, first of all, let's already take off the edge cases, which is how do you deal with infertile versions of a species? Like if there's if there's an infertile member, are they not part of the species? And you're like, no, no, no. Well, not until they get a testicle surgery, adding six more onto them. <laughs> And people would be like, no, 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 we mean in the healthy condition and blah, blah, blah. Okay, all right, fine, we'll, we'll, we'll take that out. So let's start with this. Are there different species of bacteria? And people would be like, yeah, there's E. coli. We got like a, three. a ton of different species of bacteria. All right, you know bacteria don't have sex, right? They don't sexually reproduce. And in fact, the vast majority of all species on Earth are asexually reproducing. So how does that fit into your definition now that is all about sexual reproduction and usually most people right there can start abandoning the idea they don't they don't reproduce bisexual um uh, in intercourse but they keep trying and that's that's how <laughs> i i just work it into that <laughs> are these bacteria gyrating against each other hmm, this is quite hot indeed hmm. 
So, so we've already kind of taken two shots away or, or taken away. So, okay. So again, most species on earth don't fit into your species definition. It already isn't a great definition, but let's keep going. Let's talk about something called a ring species. And we have these a lot in different places. They can be birds. They can be any kind of animal that is spread across a wide distribution that has kind of variations as you go across these distributions. There's a famous example in the United States of a frog species that does this. But imagine you take any given area and imagine it's a, a football field and you divide it up. Is this, is this you reaching out to uh, to the to Joe Rogan crowd? Think of a yes, football, exactly. a field where what's that sport with the oblong ball played? Um, uh, soccer. That, let, let think of a soccer court. So, uh, like, think of like the yards of like zero to twenty, and that's one species. And then you know twenty to to forty, there's another group, uh, another species of frog. And then forty to sixty, another, and then sixty to. And in this case, we'll keep going. We'll go instead of going back down to zero like you would do on a normal football field. We'll just keep going up. So sixty to eighty, you got another one. Eighty to hundred, we got another one. And each one of those stripes, each one of those five areas, has a different species of frog living in it. Now, the species that's in zero to twenty, it can mate with twenty to forty, but it can't mate with any of the other ones. And eighty to hundred, it can mate with sixty to eighty, but none of the other ones. And 40 to 60, that one can actually mate with 60 to 80, or it can mate with 20 to 40, but it can't mate with one of the other ones. So each time you go along this football field in your mind, each one of the frogs can mate with the species that live right next to it, but none of the other ones. So then what is the relation of frog 0 to 20 to frog 80 to 100? Because they can't mate with each other, not even close, but they can mate with the frog next to them, they can mate with the frog next to them, they can mate with the frog next to them. This is an Eskimo brother situation. This is nature's Eskimo brother. We all bang, like we've we've shared partners. Well, and you can share genes and stuff across populations like that, because again, it's just a couple steps removed. Now you go like, okay, well now how does this work? Okay, this ring species kind of tears apart this whole idea, so today sexual reproduction... And then you could really just put the nail in the coffin by bringing up something you just mentioned, which most people don't know about, which is horses and donkeys. They're actually a great example of hybridization. They have different numbers of chromosomes, so the resultant mule is almost always sterile. However, it's not always sterile. Because you can actually give it five more testicles into its scrotum via mad science surgery, which is sweeping the nation right now. And then that that horse will come with the that mule horse will come with the force of a fire hose. Mark my words, all viable sperm. That's true, regardless. But but uh, yeah, but but now now you're not getting uh, Dallas with some worthless mule cum. You're getting valuable. Uh, and by the way, because it's not pure horse, you can actually sell it at full price because nobody's going to be able to taste the difference between like a uh, fertile mule cum. It's 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 a totally unexplored area of the market. There's not going to be an expertise. There's not going to be. Uh, connoisseurs of fertile mule come out there. We would corner this market, Bobby. Well, so, so throughout antiquity, there have been reports of mules being able to occasionally produce offspring, but we always kind of wrote it off and we're like, that's just those dumb Greeks. They don't know how to separate the mules from the horse. They, they don't know what they're doing. Zeus is always like mixing himself up with a one out of every 10 yeah. mule. <laughs> that's true. 
<laughs> it's all Zeus's Zeus's breeding fault. But in modern times, this actually happened, and we've done genetic studies and proven, oh no, these mules actually have, were able to have offspring, including like a female mule and a male mule have both been able to give birth or sire uh, offspring with other with uh, usually I think with other horses uh, or other donkeys. But in that case, what do we do? Like, what's the answer then? Do we go, oh shit, okay, so now we have to modify it to say if they can interbreed and produce uh, virile offspring more than 2% of the time? Like, what's the, there has to be a cutoff or something? Like, basically, once you dive into it, every single part of the Ernst Meyer biological species definition is complete and total bullshit. It is what we tell you when you're 16 because you don't understand the world around you and it's the easiest thing to say and we've known it's wrong for decades, if not centuries, but it's just, it's the only thing we got. It's that we just go, eh, this is what it is. Knowing, and by the way, when you get to that level of like biological knowledge of you know you're a biology teacher you you inherently know this is bullshit but you still have to tell everybody it's true i i am just constantly amazed at this because it's something that i again we deal with people who believe this to be true who are very very educated the person the person who got the most angry about this on our show has a phd in physics well that's because intelligent people don't like to be told they're wrong even when they are wrong even when you show them that they're wrong they, 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 and it's because, because like, how dare a d- person dumber than me know this and I don't. He was angry because he, as he put it, he's like, this is what they taught me in undergrad bio. And I'm <laughs> like, a good student. I did everything that I was told. The system is right. If you look up a definition, I, I actually looked around. I was like, okay, let me find a good species definition then. So let me look through, you know, standard things like Merriam-Webster and stuff. And I found one that I actually really like because I think it's incredibly accurate. So let's put this on as a good definition for species. And this is actually, you know, a more literary one. This is in Merriam-Webster's. A class of individuals having common attributes and designated by a common name. You know, I I love that you found a way to use the, like, world's douchiest, like, way to start a speech. Webster's defines (laughs) blank. (laughs) <laughs> yes, never start your speech that way. Unless you do the Michael Scott thing yeah. and purposely pick the wrong word. Then yeah. it's funny. I actually did. I, 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 uh, I, uh, I officiated my sister's wedding and like I started the speech out just like that. Like Webster's defi- like I, I was I was uh, I, I wanted to make the crowd think that it was like the Willy Wonka tumble. Like I was doing the limp. making them think that I wasn't up for the tour. And then I did the tumble and then I went into the aristocrats. So they knew I was serious at this wedding. <laughs> But I like it because notice it says having common attributes, which, you know, is true. It's very broad. That does sound like a pompous Fox thing to say, having common attributes. (laughs) (laughs) And designated by a common name, which I like because, again, more of a this is just the category we made up. So one, there is like some element of species that is biologically determined. Like we do still kind of go fast and loose by saying, you know, if it's a sexually reproducing creature, they should be able to, you know, have offspring. But I think what we've stopped doing is allowing that to be the wall. You brought up Neanderthals. We still consider Neanderthals a different species. We obviously bred with them as well as with Denisovans, as well as with, you know, uh, other ghost lineages and other things like that. So there is certainly an element where we still look to biology to be a guide. It's just no longer the rule. And so, especially as we look at in the past and we look at evolution and see that species are much more of a fluid thing, like, 
yeah, we can look at this and say it's Homo erectus, and we can look at this and say it's Homo sapien, but if we looked at enough stuff in between, we'd find it very hard to distinguish where, you know, erectus became Heidelbergensis, became some kind of Homo antecessor or Homo sapien. And if you look at enough stuff in between, it gets too murky to be able to decide. And in that same sense, it's like, maybe we're a different species from this creature. And if we're separated for long enough, then maybe we won't be able to interbreed. But there is some weird gray areas where like, you can. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure if you banged enough chimps, if eventually you would have a baby. I know there was some like twisted Russian scientist who tried it. You're like the Jeffrey Epstein of scientists. You like have all these wacky ideas that all involve you coming in the thing you want to come. And like you just say it to all the rich people. Listen, Bill, I just need a couple billion for this study. I think a human-chimp hybrid, but it has to be my semen. Well, first of all, human-chimp hybrids would solve a lot of problems. All right, so think of it right now. If we want to make almost any remake of a movie from the 1980s, we're going to need to break a lot of animal rights rules by getting an actual chimp involved. But human-chimp hybrids <laughs> fall under the child clause of Hollywood actors, which means all we need is a set of twins, so they're only on set half the time. And they're not eligible for SAG after us, so yes. you could really give them those non-union pay rates. Yeah. And I say that, because clearly, I, I'm sorry, I didn't have a cigar in my mouth, and I wasn't talking like a scummy Hollywood producer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll bring in some, some chimp skibs. Ugh. I think the problem here, Bobby, you were describing a problem, and I think the problem is just uh, in the same reason that the physicist you mentioned earlier couldn't grasp what you were trying to say. There just seems to be a different in the modes of thought. Like uh, the physicist, you know, for a, a physicist, they created physics and they created subatomic physics. There's different rules for things that are smaller and sure. everything. Biologists just run to create a unified – they announced a unified fuck theory before they really had grounds <laughs> for one. Like, fine, you know, that they discovered physics, and they didn't even realize that they were lumping in uh, quantum physics into their unified fuck theory, which is why nothing nothing works. You have to separate into the big and the small. All right, so here's the deal. I need, yeah, I'm going to fuck this chimp, but also, <laughs> also, I'm going to fuck a few mice, all right? And uh, this is going to be like the quantum fuck theory. <laughs> yeah, do you, that's, by the way, that's the Harvard Biology Lab. It's, that's, as, that's as professional as it gets. All gold chains <laughs> on every doctor in the Harvard Biology Department. Oh, do you think I became a biologist because I like book reading? Nah, go Pats, brother. So long story short, uh, species, interesting concept. There's a biological basis to it. But in the end, it's really just a human construct. Article number two. It really was the oldest site in the Americas Day. Is this, is this in response to the fan that reached out to you? Well, this is in response to a, a big article publication that came out this week regarding one we have covered before, which is the White Sands, New Mexico footprints, human footprints that were dated around 20, between 21,000 and 23,000 years old, which would have made it uh, the oldest site in the Americas, the oldest definitive site in the Americas. And this was a pair of human footprints going along a muddy shoreline that at some point they get crossed over by giant sloth footprints, which is fucking just absolutely amazing. It's like a, it's just story written in the sand. 
And researchers had dated these to 21 to 23,000 years old using radiocarbon dating of some seeds that were found within the footprints themselves. Very interesting. I made a big deal on this uh, podcast. We had oldest site in the Americas Day, and we talked about the, the site and everything. And then we talked later about a controversy that came up about whether or not this dating was secure because they were using aquatic seeds. And, and we've talked about it on the show before about how aquatic stuff can ruin C14 dates because old carbon can be floating around in water environments. And they said, we accounted for that. Other researchers were like, nah, your claims are too big. As I pointed out on this show, no matter what, this is a very old site because you have extinct megafauna crossing paths and stuff. Uh, and it looks like there's some volcanic tuft from a uh, volcanic eruption that happened much later. So, you know, it does seem to be quite old regardless. But... Fair enough. You know, I'm, I wrote my whole master's thesis on, you know, fake ancient archaeology sites in the Americas. So I get it. So let, let's do all the due diligence. And they did. And a recent article was published this, this past week that kind of verifies what they found from two different additional me methods of dating. So one was they said, OK, we don't want to do the C14 on that aquatic seeds. They found pollen from some conifers, which are obviously not aquatic plants, and they were able to do C14 dating on that pollen also came back at like 22k and then they used optical luminescence dating which we've talked about on this show that measures the last time quartz crystal was exposed to sunlight and it doesn't necessarily tell you how old the site is but it tells you the minimum age of the sediments that it's in because it's the last time those sediments were exposed to sunlight so you know it it doesn't necessarily say it's exactly 24,000 years old. What it says is it can be no younger than this time period when it was last exposed to sunlight. And those dates came back at 21,500. So it had to be older than 21,500. We now have three forms of radiometric dating, not to mention the paleontological dating of the giant ground sloth and stuff like that, that show us that this site is legit at about 22,000 years old. Absolutely fucking awesome. Love it. I love that we covered it when it came out. I love that it's, you know, that there was some kind of scientific controversy and we have since just you, you what happens when you have a real ancient archaeology site you don't have people going yeah well you should trust me anyway as they do in pseudo archaeology sites uh you have people going okay let's do more science and figure it out which is exactly what happened very very cool we also covered some of the other like potential oldest american sites including some uh sloth bones that were possibly turned into pendants down in south america those are less definitive because the wear that we see could have been made by humans, but it could have been a little bit more natural. They're osteoderms. They could have also found those particular bones, you know, thousands of years after that animal died and made a hole in it. And the, the bones themselves would still have C14 dates that date back that far. So that's a little bit different, not as solidly dated. Those, you know, are about 25 to 28. And that could very well, that could fit in the genetic timeline as well. So I'm not saying that those are necessarily bullshit or anything. Uh, there's definitely real artifacts around that area so those could be real but this is now the oldest solidly dated site in the americas if you exclude some of the stuff in what is what would have been eastern beringia i.e now alaska canada areas if you exclude some of that stuff that was you know within the beringial glaciation areas and you actually talk about you know below the glacier lines in the americas this is now the oldest solidly dated site fucking awesome it's an amazing site i can't wait to actually go out and see it i uh, i definitely want to take that trip out soon because you can see some of these ghost prints popping up the way they actually found these is after a rain 
they saw what looked like ghost footprints popping out of the dirt. And what it is, is the where the impression of the fossilized footprints are super deep in the ground, it maintains moisture differently. And so the footprints kind of rise up to the existing surface. Very, very cool. Very cool how they found it. Very cool how they originally did the work. Very cool how they followed up with even more science to prove what they had thought before. Absolutely amazing site and now gets the title of definitive oldest site in the Americas. I'm, I'm just dreading being your sons one day and knowing that their dad picked another family vacation. We're going to go see some ghost footprints. And all you, your kids have been dropping hit all, hints all year. Dad, I'm a 13-year-old boy. Uh, my, my younger brother's right on my heels as far on this. We want to go where every 13-year-old boy wants to go. We don't want to go see some ghost footprints. We want to go to Branson, Missouri to see Yakov Smirnoff in his residential show at Tara's. Oh, I thought you were going to say ghost titties. That's what 13-year-old boys usually go for. Yeah. yeah. I, I, like, you know, the, 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 the days of, of, uh, of us like hoping we found woods porn or two rocks yeah. that look like a boobs are gone, those days are gone. Uh, and on some level, I do hope that your son is the type of guys who real boobs don't do it for anymore. They're out imagining ghost boobs at 13 because that's what, that, is what, that is what porn inundation does to a young brain. Oh, dear. Thank you, audience, for coming back for Science Faction 678, where you learned all about how a dog-fox hybrid didn't really happen and about how we really did find the oldest site in the Americas. Thank you so much for joining us, and come on back next week for Science Faction 679. Dad, I don't want to be here and see these ghost fossil prints. I want to go to Branson, Missouri, and have a Rudy Tooty fresh and fruity. You've been listening to Science Fiction. Wait, that's not right.